and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a successful business, I've met directly or indirectly many successful people from entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes someone successful? Do we even know what success is? And the all important question, can we create it for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Well, today I'm with Robert Walton, MBE, president of the Restaurant Association and founder of the Nth Degree, which is an exclusive private dining club. Bob was awarded an MBE in 2008 for his services to the hospitality industry, uh, but Bob has also faced some immense challenges along the way, but I'll let him tell you all about those. So it gives me immense pleasure to introduce a wonderful chap, Bob Walton, MBE. Bob, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Thank you, Sandra. So, Bob, as I understand it, you, you, you'll tell us all about yourself, I'm sure. Um, love to know about that. But am I right in thinking you trained as a chef originally? Yeah, I trained uh, a long time ago. Um, West End Chef, 1972. Uh, and uh, it was a completely different world to what it is today. I think one would say the industry is sexy today. It certainly wasn't sexy in 1972, let me tell you. <laughs> but yeah, that's, uh, that's where it all started. And then what happened from, from that early career and, you know, where did that take you? Well, um, I had no idea I was going into the kitchen. The idea was to be, uh, uh, I trained as a general manager. That was going to be the goal. I had this vision that I would like to run a hotel. I don't know where that came from, although I was brought up in pubs. My parents had pubs, but there didn't seem to be any connection because certainly cooking was not where... Um, where I was going, that was for sure. But I like the idea of, I love people. I've always liked people. I've always uh, 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 been interested in successful people. I've always been interested in everybody, actually. But um, I love the, the thought of the hotel route. I love that, uh, that uh, meeting and greeting and just generally, you know, getting on with people and, uh, and the whole sort of concept of, of hospitality it didn't used to be called hospitality in those days it used to be called catering mm-hmm. um and so that's really where it all sort of started but the, the the cooking then took over i don't know why the cooking took over i really enjoyed it i i enjoyed the team i enjoyed the the place i enjoyed the the creativity um and the chefs then that i met uh, and i went around the country uh, from 16 to 18 to 20 i ended up in scotland in in Aviemore in those days uh and then the the opportunity arose that i could be involved and start a restaurant when i was 24 years old so i then became chef patron so i had everything i wanted i met the met my public i met my customers mm. uh and then that was the game changer because I had to learn to cook for money, which is a completely different ball game than just cooking for somebody else. Yeah, you know? yeah. Um, so that's sort of in a nutshell how I got from 16 to 24. And that's interesting that you, you talk about you being a 24, 25-year-old and, and effectively running your own business. I know that you're particularly impressed, aren't you, by the millennials, um, to, to use that phrase. And, and they, we've almost kind of gone full circle in terms of entrepreneurship and uh We'll, we'll come on to talk about those um, shortly, but 
One of the things that I noticed about you, Bob, is that you are, and you've been described in many circles as a power dresser. Now, that's quite unusual, um, I guess, in the, in the world of hospitality and catering. So where, where does that, that amazing fashion sense come from? Is that important to you in terms of your image? Well, I'm married to a, a fashion designer now, but I was, I was very conscious of clothes way before. And I think it's uh, almost, I can go right back to the beginning. I wanted to be a general manager of a hotel. A general manager of a hotel is an immaculate guy, whoever it may be. He's a very smart guy or a very smart woman. And they look amazing walking around those hotels. And so the nth degree, uh, which is the, the dining club I run, was the sort of, was, was the, if you like, was the route for me, because the nth degree is, does not have an, uh, a venue. The nth degree does not have um, a base. The nth degree is a virtual club. So from that point of view, and, and when this power dressing was written in the Times about me, which is rather flattering, <laughs> um, it was because at that point, we're, the only thing to sell the nth degree was me. And so I had to look like a general manager of a hotel, but my club was virtual. And so that's where that sort of power dressing link came from. But I've, I love clothes. I've always enjoyed clothes. I've always loved being really smart. And I think it says a lot about you. You know, it's no good having a really clean car with, with filthy tires. You know, it's no good having a great suit with dirty shoes, you know. Uh, and watch any general manager of any hotel. And they should look immaculate because it reflects the hotel. And if, it, if at the moment my club is the nth degree, how I look reflects my club. And I've been very privileged to have joined you on a number of those lunches and dinners. And I have to say, it is an exceptional business that you run with some really fascinating people. Um, I didn't know that your wife was a fashion designer. Uh, so tell us something else that we might not know about you. Oh, I see. Right. So my wife is a, is a lady called Donna Ida. Donna Ida is the Jean Queen of London. Uh, I met her 10 years ago. Um, now it's my third wife. I don't know whether that's good or bad. I'm bad at it or good at it. It depends which way you want to look at it. Probably not good at it, but uh, I'm very happily married. Well practiced. Well practiced. And um, and so uh, now I'm very conscious about uh, clothes because obviously my wife is is in fashion and design. Um, the other things about me, well, I mean, I love golf. Uh, I love uh, achievement, I think. So if somebody says, what's your favorite sport? Well, I love golf because I think golf is, is the perfect way of getting to know people. Um, and again, it comes back to me being with people that I really like and, uh, having fun and having banter. Mm. Um, but otherwise I like achievement. I like watching sport for achievement. I, I'm not a football fanatic i i was until very recently the patient a, a patron of reading football club we're not doing very well at all at the moment but i love watching the premiership because it is just so good it's so it, they are super superstars and uh, and athletes and uh, i wa love watching horse racing and i love watching uh, athletics i love i just like achievement so on that subject, Bob, because this, this leads to a very fascinating, more general conversation, I think I'm right in saying that Wikipedia have recently changed the definition of the word success. Oh. What is that? What is success? Because you, you talk about achievement mm. um, and, and fulfilling positive outcomes. We'll talk about that a little bit more in, in a short while as well. But what does success look like for Bob Walton? Well, 
That's an, a really good question. I tell you what, I've always, I love meeting successful people. Now, successful people and the nth degree, which is, I'll come back to this, this virtual club that I run, is about introducing successful, successful individuals to other successful individuals because that is a powerhouse. Now, a successful individual doesn't have to be necessarily, you know, a multimillionaire. Uh, one would like to think that success will give them uh, an income as they go through their lives. But you can be quite successful without being incredibly wealthy. Um, but I find successful people fascinating because you can feed. Most successful people are positive. And you will hear through this interview that I'm incredibly positive about everything I do. Um, and when a positive person meets a positive person, then that's a really good combination. I don't know how many successful people are negative because I haven't met one yet. So, um, so I don't know whether, um, I, what is the definition of success? Well, I suppose all I can really say is it's being positive and that will take you from this point. And it's actually, I think it's really just getting over those, those hurdles. They're just, you know, the door shuts, it just, another one opens, you know, it's just, it's just an inconvenience as opposed to a problem. So Bob, I, you know, I'm hearing uh, about all this, uh, these great achievements, and I'm sure we could spend all of our time together today talking about success, successful outcomes, and what that looks and feels like, and uh, explore your life and all the things you've achieved in more detail. But I'm also aware of the fact that um, some time ago, you, you probably faced the opposite uh, in terms of a set of circumstances that would, I think for most people, really challenge the way they see life and probably change their outlook in lots of different ways. Do you mind telling us a little bit about what happened and mm. how you dealt with it? So uh, I talk about inconvenience, and this was a big inconvenience, but it was still an inconvenience, and you have to just look at it that way. So last year I was diagnosed with tongue cancer, uh, which is a major inconvenience for yeah. somebody uh, who uh, eats out, you know, four times a for week. For a living. For a living, yeah. yeah. And so the treatment is radical. The whole process was, was horrendous and horrible. Uh, there's no, you can't dress it up in any other way. Um, uh, I had a, a three and a half centimeter uh, tumor on my tongue. Now, it was at the base of my tongue. How would you not know? Well, I mean, these things just happen. I had a sore throat. Well, you would have a sore throat with mm. it. Uh, then I started getting weird headaches and everything else. So the uh, the treatment is pretty radical. It's 30 bouts of radiation in uh, in a six-week period, including six uh, sessions of chemotherapy. So you are really taken out. Now, how do you go about that? How do you, how do you deal with that? Well, uh, look, get medical insurance. That's the very first thing. So fortunately, I have medical insurance, which was great. So I could go to... Harley Street every day. I went to Harley Street every day, uh, but I treated it like a job. So I had a six week job to get better. So that was my, that was the focus. And in amongst that, you know, in the beginning I can do some emails and I can keep going. I mean, it, 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 it's difficult to, to tell you, and I won't go into all of the, uh, the horrors of feeding tubes and, 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 and the burns and everything else that you get. But what I will say, because I actually don't think about it anymore, this is the, this is the key uh, with my own sort of personal way I deal with things, is that I can't think of the horrible things anymore. I can't think of, 
I'll tell you, but you know, the sickness and the mucus and that 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 is like chewing gum and the fact that you have to wear a mask every day you go for your treatment, laying on a bed which gets screwed to a table, which is so it's so the pinpoint accurate with with lasers, but and you can't move your head for 30 times 15 minutes, you know. And as you when you are sick and you can't swallow, at the end of it, it's not very comfortable. And even Ed Sheeran didn't help, you know, because they even play music. So I'm trying to make light of what is a horrible scenario. We shall have words with Ed. Well, Ed, even he didn't help at the end because I was just concentrating on not being sick in a mask, if you can picture that. Yeah. So, but the way to deal with it is to get dressed every morning. Now, I didn't look like this, I'm afraid. But and I got do, dressed. And you do look great, I have to say, Bob. <laughs> Everything they say about your, your dress sense is absolutely true. But I did have a shower every morning. I did get dressed every morning. And bearing in mind, I was getting up at six in the morning to get to London. I live in Berkshire. And I treated it as a six-week job to get better. Uh, and, and I was thinking, okay, I'll stop everything and I'll concentrate on all the things I had to do, which includes Pilates, meditation, mind thoughts, um, positive thoughts, going to bed every night, walking, watching Frasier on TV to make sure I went to bed happy and smiling and thinking of nice things, you know, waking up in the morning and looking at sunshine and grass and listening to birds, you know, everything that is going to put you in the right uh, mindset to get better. So that kind of power of positive thinking, positive mental attitude, mm. whatever you want to describe as you, mm. you believe that is a, an essential part of uh, a journey to a successful outcome. I totally believe it. I totally, totally believe it. I think that uh, now I'm not here to tell you how well I recovered and, uh, and, uh, but things have happened to me much quicker than has happened to lots of other people. So my oncologist said, you know, that the recovery that I, I was eating out in September. Now, I wasn't eating very much. I was having mangoes and ice cream, I think, at that point, but I was trying to eat and I wanted to get back eating again because the problem of my issue of my cancer was that you lose your saliva glands, you lose your taste, you lose your lymph, your lymph nodes, everything within your... To kill the tumour, they kill everything. Uh, and so within my... Within my throat and, and on the base of my tongue, I have now brand new cells uh, because everything was killed. So everything has to regrow again. Now, fortunately, the tumor gets melted away and, and burnt and you recover everything else in the human body is amazing. But the sooner you, you think that you're going to get better, the quicker you will get better. So, uh, I mean, this is really fascinating. And, and this whole belief that you, you treated your illness like a job is, is fascinating in itself. And we could have a complete separate conversation just about that. But um, obviously, if we, if we take the cancer as the kind of the, the, the line in the sand, if you like, mm. there was a Bob Walton before. Yeah. And there's a Bob Walton afterwards. The Bob Walton post-cancer, does he see things differently now to the Bob Walton of before? Yeah, he does. He does. There's in, in, what, a, a, in what kind of way? So um, it's a lovely question because uh, one, well, there are certain limitations, obviously, to start with, obviously just on alcohol intake, for instance, um, which is not that I don't, I don't, I like alcohol, uh, uh, 
but I, I just can't drink anywhere near as much as I used to because it doesn't taste very nice. It's not that I don't want to. Um, now, also, I don't miss it because as much as I would love to drink a wonderful bottle of Gevrey Chambertin, it just doesn't taste nice. So it doesn't matter. So I might prefer a Guinness. <laughs> now, I don't necessarily want Guinness mm. at the Ivy, you know, but I would like a Guinness at home. So I have a Guinness and it's very good for me, I feel. Um, so certainly on alcohol, alcohol intake is reduced. There is no two ways about it. I feel better. Of course I do. I mean, there's, there's no issue there. You know, the less you drink, the better you're going to feel. I sleep better. But I think more than that, it's just my whole philosophy on life today, i.e. I, I have a personal trainer. I never did that. I have a personal trainer every Monday evening and I have a, I have a, a Pilates every Tuesday morning. I try and play golf if I can once a week to get and do five miles. I'm not a great exerciser. I don't like it. I like to have a goal at the end. I like to try and play tennis. So I've got a goal of where I'm going. But also, I was always quite calm. I'm always quite patient, but I'm incredibly patient now. Nothing really is an issue anymore. Uh, a problem is not an issue. It was never really an issue before, but it certainly isn't a problem anymore. And so um, if there's a, 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 you know, something within business that we have to deal with, we'll deal with it. Uh, if there's, and actually, bizarrely, if it's something on planning, which it was on my house, I knew we were going to get planning. Now we got no, 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 no. And then yes, but I knew we were going to get it. Because actually, when you've been through something like that, you actually, you just know you're going to get what you want. Um, so I'm much healthier. I've lost about two stone. I feel much better. Um, and that lovely beard's grown back. My, my, my signature beard has grown back. I'm <laughs> very happy about that because yeah. that was never coming back, I was told. Yeah. So that was one of the things that, um, which that is, my oncologist is sort of quite surprised. Well, I've about. seen you without it. And you have, yeah. yeah. It's not a pretty sight, really. Far better to keep my faces covered up as much as possible, actually. So, um, so I'm a lot, I, I'm very patient. I'm very tolerant. A traffic jam doesn't bother me. You know, a really bad game of golf is not really a problem anymore is it so just being outside and just simple things you know um i have a, a a saying every morning that um uh you know may i be happy may i be healthy may i be peaceful may i be protected it's every morning i wake up every morning i say that i love it it was a buddhist monk i saw and i just love the lines and i say it every morning and it just makes me feel good mm. Uh, and you smile at the same time as you say it, and it's just fabulous. So, I mean, those sorts of things, you know, uh, just change the way you go about your your daily life, really. Mm. I mean, I, Bob, I've got to say, you are, I've known you for quite some time now, but you are a hugely inspiring individual, if I may say that. Uh, and loads of people <clears throat> do see you as a role model, and I'm sure... Uh, the listeners on this podcast will feel the same when they've heard your story. Do you have any people that you admire? Uh, and if so, for what, for what reason? Yeah, I have low, I mean, I admire, I mean, that's a, another really good question. I have so many people I admire. What, who, what, what I don't know. I, I admire my wife in the, in how she can design our house so beautifully and how she creates brands for, out of nowhere. And, and I see people on TV wearing her, her products. And I think, God, that looks amazing. How did, where did that come from? Where does all that come? Cause she's all quietness done over there, you know? 
And then I admire, I mean, I admire young entrepreneurs. I love the Queen, you know. I, I, I like achievers. Do, do I, so, uh, you know, going slightly off piece here, do I admire Donald Trump? Well, I don't know whether I do or not. What I do admire, admire is his energy at 71 or something to, to run the US. Now, I don't know whether, I don't think anyone necessarily agrees with everything he said. And I'm certainly not going to go into that world of whether I do or whether I don't. But I do admire his energy, mm. um, how he does it on McDonald's or something at four hours <laughs> sleep. I have no idea. Now he doesn't drink. Who knows? That might be the key. But I, I, admire, I admire lots of people. One, my mentor is a guy called Richard Shepard. Richard Shepard was the owner of Langham's and was a, 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 an inspirational figure to me. And there's no two ways about it. I wouldn't be the president of the Restaurant Association. I probably wouldn't have an MBE without Richard because Richard took me, took me under his wing. Uh, that was my chair, by the way. <laughs> Richard took me under his wing um, when I was a young... Uh, I owned a, a, a lovely venue called Trunkle House in Berkshire, which was... I was chef patron there again, another one. It was my third venue. And he took me under his wing when Langans was... Langans in the 90s and the late 80s and 90s was the place in London. Forget Chilton Firehouse, Zuma, uh, Ivy, Nobu. Forget them all. Langans was all of them... In one, you could never, ever, ever, ever get in. And not only did I get in, I took my friends there. I was in the window and <laughs> Bobby was here and Richard was there. And they were, I mean, it was amazing. And, and at that point, the, 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 the center, the nucleus of the hospitality world is actually tiny. Once you know a few, you know everyone. And everyone knew Richard in those days. And because I knew Richard, I had this a wonderful pool of hospitality names that would listen to me and I could get them to do something. Or in those days, I had invite them down to my venue. Mm. I used to host in those days a restaurant association summer ball. And in my place in Berkshire, we had Raymond Blanc, Albert Roux, John Burton Race in those days, Warrell Thompson, Richard Shepard, Brian Turner, Roy Ackerman. I mean, all coming to me. I mean, talk about putting pressure on yourself. It was insane. But there's an, uh, that's what I would always do. I would strive. I mean, I literally was, you know, I put a noose on the tree and if it didn't go well, I was, but if it went well, then it was amazing. But then I would also do something to that event that would make that event take it away from just coming to a dinner. So we'd have a full fairground in the garden at the same time. So the fact is there's a theme and there's a great meal, there's a band and there's a Ferris wheel and dodgems and everything else and all the chefs are going crazy and smashing themselves to pieces on the dodgems, but it was fun. And everyone would leave and go, that was a great night. So what you're trying to do is put a package of things together for people. One of the things that I, I hear a lot uh, from you, Bob, is I, I know you have a particular admiration, don't you, for the younger generation. And I know you're particularly keen to try and uh, help nurture what you see as quite a lot of talent. So we've mentioned millennials, for example. Mm. Um, just share with us, if you don't mind, uh, you know, your kind of view of uh, the modern world for, for young people trying to get by. Because I know that your feeling is that we've almost gone full circle from the entrepreneurial, energetic, dynamic spirit that we had many years ago, so many years ago, to, you know, young, very entrepreneurial go-getters. Well, so my club puts together successful individuals. 
now, there are not multi-millionaire successful individuals at 24 yet. Uh, there are a few, but within the, 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 the members and guests that we deal with, uh, but we have some incredibly successful young individuals. And I am absolute, I admire them. They're inspiring to me. And I think that's the key when you have young, young members or young individuals or young successful entrepreneurs, they're also inspiring to an older generation of older entrepreneurs, if you like. Now, am I an entrepreneur? I don't know whether I am. I mean, that's an interesting word. I've always stayed within my field, apart from one idea, which, which hasn't yet worked, so it may work. But I've always stayed within my field of hospitality. Everything I've done has always been had food related it, it's somewhere. So I sort of stayed within that area. Am I an entrepreneur? I don't know. I don't know whether an entrepreneur dives into other areas or whether it's that taking the, 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 an idea and, and creating something. If that's an entrepreneur, then, then I am, but I've done it within my field, so I've kept the barriers around me or the safety barriers around me. Um, but I am inspired by, by, young, by young people. I always have been. I love young talent, whether it's in my world. Now, my world is full of young talent. Young chefs of 25 are unbelievable. Uh, the talents are mind-blowing. Where is this industry going to go? Where's it going to finish? Well, it won't finish, but where's it going to take us now? London is the food capital of the world. Uh, I'm. Uh, uh, we're about to launch uh, Young Chef, Young Waiter, which was one of the oldest competitions in this country. The nth degree has just um, acquired it. Uh, we're relaunching it, revamping it in a young, dynamic way with a massive final at the Camden Roundhouse with rock bands and Jack Whitehall and all this sort of stuff. Now, that's what we want, but we want to really get uh, within that event. We want young, successful young individuals from Formula One and football and hospitality and fashion and music because... There is so much talent out there. We're a brilliant nation for breeding talent, you know, and we have a multicultural society that breeds incredible talent. And I, I can't speak too highly enough right now. What? Now, you are in that middle gap. I'm, I'm this bit, you're in the middle, and we've got the young ones here. I can only speak from my time at, when I was 24 and I started my first restaurant and I had that drive and I see it in these young 20 to 25 year olds right now who come to our lunches and actually we've got one today at temper uh, and we have a new we've got one guy who's main guy of savills he's only 25 years old for goodness sake i love it you know good for you um a couple of quick questions then before we close uh first one <laughs> I, I find it incredible to hear everything you have to say and all the challenges you've faced uh what's i mean don't sit still do you there's always something going on um, what, what's next for Bob Walton, if there is anything? Well, I love last year. So if you like a pinnacle of, of, of my life last year was one to get back in the, in, in my business, uh, to get back in front of the, the world of hospitality, if you like, and to, uh, and to just, uh, be, um, be meeting and doing exactly what I started, you know, in the very beginning. Now, ironically, uh, one of the venues I started with was within the Savoy. The last year, uh, so 
at six years old, I had a party in my garden at Tranquil House where we had 150 people. It was a fantastic party, um, ev- full of successful individuals. At 61, I uh, sat in a chair and uh, had my sixth bout of chemotherapy on my birthday, and I couldn't blow one candle out. And at 62, we hosted the 50th anniversary of the Restaurant Association, which I was asked to do under the brand of the nth degree. And we were, it, it was the most amazing evening with 37 of the top chefs involved, top of the world's top chefs involved, with videos from Wolfgang Puck, Thomas Keller, Heston Blumenthal, Rick Stein, Prue Leith, blah, 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 and every other chef in the room. Now, it sort of was a full circle for me because I'm standing at the Savoy where I, where I went when I was 16 to look at being a, a trainee manager. So I'm now hosting the, the most prestigious hospitality event of 2018. For me, it was, it was a, it, it, it sort of took me from, and when I stood up on stage at the Savoy in front of 370 people and some of the world's best chefs, it, uh, including my dear friend, Richard Shepherd, who was my mentor, as I talked about. And on my table was Sat Baines, Claude Bosey, Prue Leith, Richard Shepherd, Brian Turner. And I'm thinking, goodness me, you know, this is quite nice. And they're all listening to, to me. And I'm hosting and directing and creating. And I'm doing exactly what I've always done. It's like putting a dish together. It's just like what I've always done, except instead of me now creating a dish, I'm creating an event which I also used to do, going back to mm. Restaurant Association. And I want to make sure that this event was a glamorous celebration of our industry, not an industry event. Now, because of that, the success of it was so went down so well, we've been asked to do the next five years. So now it's basically a celebrity chef bash. It's called the Restaurant Association Gala Dinner. And we will invite all the chefs back, plus, plus, plus. And the more chefs we get the more prestigious the event is, of course, because the chefs are the superstars of whatever. And the other route that I did last year was I was just in the beginning of taking chefs to, to, uh, or working with chefs. And one of the members of my club, which we'll talk about as well, is the Cayman Islands. And the Cayman Islands want to promote tourism in the Cayman Islands. How How do you promote tourism in the Cayman Islands? Well, what you do is you take a really super chef from London. So Claire Smith, who was voted the number one female chef in the world, I managed to get her in between leaving Gordon Ramsay and starting a restaurant called Core to go to the Cayman Islands, which we all got paid handsomely for, and that was very successful. (laughs) And everyone was happy. And then to finish my year with my sort of six-month break in the middle, I took, in my opinion, the world's best chef, to Dominican Republic that I was asked to do, and I know Thomas Keller very well, and he is a legend and one of the nicest people I I know on the planet. But to have him as my close, close, close friend and pretty much the best chef in the world. You'll say the French Laundry is the best restaurant in the world. And then to take him to Cap Cana and we all have fun, but at the same time, the people were flying down from New York just to be with him from from New York to Dominican Republic, you know, I think it's quite a powerful, I'm, I'm in quite a powerful position, but I honestly don't think about it like that. 
I'm just connecting my industry to everyone if I can. Mm. And that's really the goal of the nth degree. And there, there, we've talked in very general terms and you've given us some amazing, uh, an amazing insight into your life and your philosophy and what makes people successful and helps people achieve lots of great things. What would you say, Bob, is the greatest lesson you've learned on that amazing journey? Patience. Um, never give up. I mean, whatever you want, just you got to go for it. You know, you can't ever have the if only mm. scenario, you know. The yes, but. Yeah. Because you don't like negative words, do you? No. Mm. No. Can't have anything negative. So, so if I may, finally, what um, we're always going to ask our guests. All right. The same question just to close things off. So I'd like you to imagine now that you're having a conversation with Bob Walton, who was 15 years of age, but you're now speaking to him as Bob Walton with all of that amazing life experience. What's the one bit of advice Bob Walton senior, if I may use that expression, would give Bob Walton junior knowing what you know today? So great final question. Um, I think, I think passion, you see, my industry is built on passion. Passion creates creativity, which then takes heart ruling head. Mm. Um, And it's difficult. It's so difficult when you are driven to go for something that it doesn't matter. Now, as you're younger, it, it really doesn't matter too much. But if you can just think and just take a little time to work out the pluses and the minuses, and it's so difficult because if you're like me, it really, it'll all work out. It'll always all work out, you know. And most of the time it does. So I would just sort of somehow say, if, if you can, I, you asked me what was one of my uh, achievements or whatever it was just a minute ago, and I said patience. So I think, you know, try and let your head rule your heart. Good advice. Good advice. So what I've heard today, Bob, and thank you so much for joining us. It's been amazing, fascinating in so many ways. And I'm, we could probably do 10 of these and, <laughs> and still not even uh, touch the tip of the iceberg. And, and maybe you'll join us again. But what I've heard today is that, uh, you know, in order to achieve success, whatever that looks like, um, you know, certainly you dress smart, you think smart. Um, you have an amazing attitude towards everything you deal with. And what I found really fascinating is this, is this belief that, you know, you, you, you use this, uh, the story of, you know, 60th birthday, you have this amazing bash, 61st, you're sitting in a chair, you can't blow your candles out. 62, you're kind of back to where you were mm. before. Mm. And, and all that 61 was, was a, was a road bump, mm. which is, I mean, mm. I, I find that incredible. And I'm sure lots of listeners will, will feel the same way. So incredibly uplifting, incredibly inspiring. Where People are going to want to find out a little bit more about you, obviously. So where where do people find out about Bob? Um, is there anywhere they can go to learn a bit more about the nth degree and what you're up to at any given time? Sure. So so the nth degree club is, is the world's leading private dining club. We're about to host today at Temper our 172nd, 172, a private dining event in their private dining room with a with about 18 people 
Uh, and then we move on to to um, another amazing restaurant where an Indian chef from Delhi is flying over to cook for us. So it's all about hospitality. But the Enthegree Club is where we are. Enthegree website, Enthegree Club website. Um, I am Bob at nthglobal.com. If you want to email me, please do. And hopefully through the nth degree, a little sort of uh, bit of information is we've just done a pilot um, for a TV a TV pilot for a, a, a series that we're looking at on rediscovering my taste, which is something that, that I'm now on. Uh, I love the title of the, the idea is to get Michelin chefs involved. Mm. And the title is called Michelin Possible, which we absolutely very love. Good. It's very, very difficult good. to say it without smiling. Yeah. And everyone else smiles at the same time. Um, we're looking for, we've got a couple of sniffs, one Channel 4 and one BBC One and another couple of ideas. So um, hopefully that happens and that will be amazing for the Nth Degree Club, me and everyone else. Another great example of somebody who can turn adversity into something really, really positive. So Bob, uh, Robert Walton, thank you so much for joining us. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure and hopefully you'll join us again at some point in the future. Anytime. All the best. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was the Sandro Forte podcast. And what a great guest Bob Walton was. Now, there are many more fantastic guests joining me over the coming weeks. So please make sure you subscribe if you want to pick up some great tips on success. And remember, you can follow us on social media at Sandro's Podcast. That's Sandro's with an S. Same on all channels. And I'd love to hear your stories, ideas, anecdotes, challenges, or whatever it is that motivates you. So email me at hello at sandrospodcast.com. And if you can, please leave a review on iTunes so we know what you'd like to hear more of in the future. Thank you so much.